0: Hey, everybody. This is Charlie Epstein here at Killing Retirement, the show that breaks down the old paradigm of retirement and replaces it with a new shift. The shift that we're really talking about with people that we're interviewing around the country is how to help you begin to think about the life that you love now, enjoy most, and what you really want to do in retirement. You know, I I have this conversation with people all the time about if a baby was born today, they have a life expectancy of 120 years, which is phenomenal given what's happening with technology and science. And so what's that child going to do when he or she retires at 65? Play golf for the next 55 years? So what we're really doing here at Killing Retirement is killing this notion that we have here in America about retirement is this destination I get to someday and then everything changes or everything drops off as opposed to thinking about new ways of living in an expanding world full of abundance and and longevity and health and wisdom. And so I'm really excited today because we have a very, very special guest on, Gabrielle Taylor, who is a strategic management consultant. She holds an MBA in finance and marketing, which, Gabrielle, is almost as good as my holding a BS in economics and being an actor. So there's a comment.
1: Big rival right there.
0: The rival? They
1: rival each other. They they rival rival each other, right
0: there. I know, finance and market. Although, somebody once said, Peter Drucker, that the only thing that matters in business is innovation and marketing. So you've got those covered. Uh, You attended the University of Chicago, but one of her gifts to the world is this wonderful book of life lessons called Legacy of Wisdom. And it focuses on the amazing, engaging, and formidable Grandma Valentine. I love that, Grandma Valentine. So welcome to the show, Gabrielle.
1: Great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm just so excited. And, um, you know, why don't you share a little bit about your background? You know, what brought you to this point of writing this book called Legacy of Wisdom?
1: Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, for many years, I was in corporate America working and uh, not married. And I then went into consulting shortly after I finished my MBA and there I worked in an innovation consulting firm, and I spent a little time there, and I had met and married my husband at that point, and we decided to have children. And along came our, our first daughter. I have two. And I decided that consulting, with its requirements of 100 hours a week of, of time, was not really conducive to being a hands-on parent who's actually enjoying what they're doing and at least not for me in my circumstance. And so I decided to step out of the consulting world for just a little while and focus on raising my older daughter, and then we also had a a second daughter a couple years later. And in the early part of their years, uh, whenever a woman steps out of the the workforce, there's a little bit of a, a mental shift, a psychological shift. You're used to adding value every day in how society values a work you know day and I never gave up that habit of creating value and so I thought to myself what could I be doing for my girls while I'm here at home to help them understand the world so I tried everything I was I was doing you know little journals to tell them my thoughts and perspective whenever I saw you know how their personality was showing itself and that didn't work. And then I I tried, well, maybe I'll create albums for them. And that really wasn't my thing either. And I thought, what really is more me is doing what I had done with my grandma many years before, and that was sharing thoughts and perspectives and listening to how they're thinking and putting together the world. And I thought, boy, they're really young to be dropping a lot of heavy thoughts, philosophies, and experiences on them, and young people are only prepared to absorb so much because they don't have as many references as an older, more experienced person. So I thought rather than burdening their childhood with all of my needs to convey information, maybe I should just tell them a very long story about my Grandma Valentine and the conversations we had and what I learned from that and the wisdom that she shared with me. But in order to do that, I thought, well, I sat down, I started writing and writing and writing, and I had a lot of pages. And one year, my husband, who knew I was writing and and toiling about to to get this project off the ground, gave me the gift of an editorial writing firm to help me pull together a book. Mm. Smart smart
0: man, smart man.
1: It was a very smart thing because I had a lot of fodder, but you know I'm not an author by profession. I know how to write, and I love writing, but I'd never written a book. So um, with that in hand, my little certificate, I went ahead and developed a relationship with this firm, and we I downloaded everything, my vision, my thoughts, the parameters, the dimensions, everything I had rattling around in my mind as well as I gave them everything I had written. And we sat down to devise this book and pull it together in a way that would be that cohesive story that I was looking to present. And part of making this something interesting for my girls was also putting in their scientific studies and philosophies and stories about other things in life that would add credibility to this experience I've had, had with my grandma. Mm. And so in, so in the book, you'll find there are many references to different studies to support a variety of points that I make in this book. And essentially, there are about 18 dimensions of wisdom that I talk about. And it allowed me to offload all these great points that if we don't get to, while they're under my roof in the first 18 years of life, then they can read it when they're 35 and and they, they can catch up at that point. And that was the purpose.
0: And it almost sounds like, and I may be getting ahead of myself, I mean, you could even take those 18 dimensions of wisdom and turn them into a curriculum, a teaching curriculum, but I'm going to get ahead of myself on that. So I, I, I was really struck by some of the earlier wisdom in the book and the notion of people being passionate about having an impact. You know, impacting others, engaging others, and it's very, very clear. You can just hear it through your passion, your voice, about you wanting to leave a lasting impact on your daughters. Uh, but beyond that, I want to. What? What? Uh, how did it change you? The process of writing the book. How would you say it changed you?
1: You know, it's interesting. It was very cathartic. Um, I I want to share something funny. Are you familiar with the Myers-Briggs testing?
0: Uh, Yes, that, and we use the Colby, if you're familiar with the Colby Ah, testing. Kathy Colby.
1: That's a a good one. Mm Yeah. Well,
0: the... the We're going to do it. We'll do another call on Colby. Yeah. (laughs) And Myers-Briggs, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, because that's interesting in its own right. But the the story, so how this book changed me, I think it made... Me reflect more on on everything that I have learned in my life and, and how I utilize what I had learned from other people before me, especially my grandma, and how impactful having that relationship and that ability to think through situations and develop a solid process for thinking, an intentional process for making decisions, how important that was in my life. So at the start of the book, I've always been a little bit of an ENTJ, which just means I'm a little more extroverted. I'm a little more fact-based. I think through things, not not some, not not as much as feeling. I, I think through things, and I'm on time. So that's essentially that personality. But what I, I found when I was asked to take another personality test for another project I was working on, I ended up being a little less extroverted, a little more introverted. I was spending more time reflecting and not jumping in. And I was also, I awakened that that feeling part of me. So I went from being a consummate T to being a little bit more of an S, which means feeling. And so I think what the book brought about was it awakened things that I may not have remembered if I hadn't sat down to do a complete download of everything that I had witnessed and experienced in my life and mapped it against what I know and how I employed all this guidance and advice that I'd received.
0: And, and did you find that, and I'll use this word, because you tapped into the wisdom of Grandma Valentine, that you're actually channeling her more and more, and that's that feeling part? You know, because what I was really struck by is the legacy of the wisdom is, you know, you each and every one of us has the innate knowledge if we just... Stop and listen and open up our hearts to one another, right? And so I'm just exactly. kind of I'm just kind of curious, is like, you know, there's Grandma Valentine with all this all this wisdom, and uh, it made me think also about my dad, and I talk a lot about my dad uh, who was an executive, but they called him Steady Eddie. We say he was the lighthouse in the middle of the storm growing up. You know, whenever there was a storm or something was happening in the family, if you really needed to be grounded. Get to the lighthouse, mm-hmm. and and I got that impression also with you, with your grandma Valentine. You know, she was very grounding in her wisdom. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And and she was definitely that that guide. You know, in in old stories we hear about the wise men of the village. That when people run into problems or have questions or they're struggling with something, they they find the wise person. Whether it's usually wise men. And they, they ask the wise man, what should I do? What should I be thinking about this? And Or how should I be thinking about this? And the wise man, if it's a tale of folklore, sometimes will ask them a question so that the Socratic method is employed. Um, because wise people, and I bring this out in my book, they ask more questions when a challenge or a situation is brought to them. And that is what my, my grandma was the queen of. And w- even though she didn't probably know that. Yeah, my but dad she would ask
0: Yeah, my dad would always say, Well, what do you think?
1: Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. Up, he was like-
0: I would be so angry. I'm not coming to you for what I think. I know what I think. I need to know what you think. He goes, Well, what do you think about that? Ah
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, he was the wise man of your clan. Buddha. Right.
0: Buddha. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> So how are you, how are you, uh, you know, you've written this brilliant book and, and, um, and here you were a successful, you know, consultant in the business world. Um, your daughters now are grown?
1: No, they're actually, they're on their way to being grown. They're 11 and 13.
0: Okay. Well, I've got a 14 and 21 year, 20 year old. We can talk about that later offline. Um <laughs> How do you find having written this book is has now impacted the way you interact in the world and and the the difference, perhaps maybe the conversations you and your husband are having about the the life that you want to lead in terms of you know has it changed the course or the direction about how you're looking at how you want to live your lives?
1: Interesting. Um, well, I think. The main thing that it has done for me personally is I had this need that I was trying to address with with doing something for my daughters that w- was meaningful while I was taking this, this chunk of time out of being in the workforce, by the way, which I love. I love working and being out there and consulting. And But while I was at home, what could I do for them to add value? And I think when I think of retirement in later years and and how my husband and I are living our life now and what choices are we making now to enable us to live our dreams and do what we want to do later, this was one of those bucket list items that I really needed to know. I've set my daughters up in life from an emotional standpoint, from an education standpoint, and from a character standpoint in the sense that they will make their own decisions and they have the tool to make them Exactly the way they need to make them.
2: Mm.
1: So I have no, I have no more to do for them. I've, I've given them the tools. Now it's up to them to employ them and to make good use of them. But I don't have that weighing down on me anymore. So they can go ahead and enjoy their, you know, childhood, preteenhood, and I don't feel the need to convey a certain level of advice or guidance or something that they might need to know about living their life to the best of their abilities and according to their values.
0: So does that mean when they get stuck and they come to you for advice, you say, read my book?
1: Uh, no, I don't think I'll <laughs> do that. Um, they, they hear enough of that now. Mom. Yeah, exactly, right? Mom. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's not good when I actually orally say it, but if I write it down, it has more power. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, I don't think I will say that. You know, I, what I do think I will do is exactly what my grandma did and be that listener and allow them to answer a lot of these questions. So it can point them to what they should be doing.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I don't want them running to me to depend on me for anything. I want to, to raise these independent, vibrant, full of life, young adults Mm -hmm. that, Will go on in their life to do things
0: on their own and know that they're capable of doing things on their own. Mm. You know that brings up this whole notion of capableism, and yes. you know it's so critical. You know this notion that we have, about, that I have about killing retirement for our for our listeners is, and I, I speak about this in my first book, Paychecks for Life, which was written for people on how to manage their 401k plan, but really. My first principle is act like an entrepreneur. And entrepreneurs l- look for how to be more capable and able in what they do. And so this notion of killing retirement is killing this notion that you know your country is going to take care of you from cradle to grave, you know, it's the, the generation before us, that greatest generation that came back, that fought the war. They went to work for a company for 30 years. They had a pension. They retired. They had their pension, their social security, and then they dropped dead in five or 10 years. And they mm-hmm. lost this notion of what are they passionate about? What are they? What do they really want to desire to do? When my dad was 68, and I remember sitting in his office the day he retired, we, we were actually crying, and we had talked for a long time about well, what are you going to do? You know, my dad's passion was he's going to move to Florida and play golf. And I remember saying to him, Pop. You have 40 years of wisdom. You're one of those most successful executives. You built your own business. You built another business. All that wisdom, what are you going to do with it? And he looked at me and said, who, who would use that? Like, ugh, like, like from just the day before, everybody was using it when he had that job. And now in less than 24 hours, he was discounting the value of his wisdom. And wow. not that he didn't lead a wonderful, I hate the word retirement, i uh, you know, retirement years that he didn't go down and enjoy what he loved to do, which was, you know, to play golf and relax. But all that wisdom, all that passion, all that, it was like, no, I'm done with that. Switches on, switches off. I know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And I mean, I'm. Yeah, Please
1: you know, I'm I'm amazed at how decisions on when to retire were made back when your father was retiring. It was almost as if someone arbitrarily came up with an age, 65, and thought that was the magical age when everyone should turn off a switch. And for it was actually
0: Bismarck. It was Bismarck in Germany when the first pension was created. And life expectancy was back then 60 or 65, you know, or you it know, was even, not even that. And so they figured out from a government standpoint, hmm, if people are only going to live to 60 or 65 and they retire at 60, we don't really have to fund much. So we'll create this pension system. And Social Security was based on that too. And it was all based on life expectancy. Well, surprise, you know, we're going to live to 120. I tell my kids, I'm living to 147 just to piss you off. <laughs> <laughs> And Ray Kurzweil, the head of artificial intelligence at Google, um, tells me I can. And I just got my genome mapped in January, uh, part of an organization called Human Longevity, Inc., which is founded by Peter Diamantis, one of the greats who yeah. wrote a book called Abundance, The Future Is Better Than You Think. Yeah, my wife and I are, are on that track. So th- this book that you have, this legacy of wisdom, it's also about the wisdom of living your life, Right. Talk about, that. talk about that. So talk about that that you discovered for you. I really got your passion about your daughters, but now mm-hmm. let's open it up to the adult world. What's the lessons right. for the adult world that they could take from what you're teaching to transform, massively transform, where they thought they were going and where they want to go?
1: Well, I, I think that the primary takeaway for an adult reading this book, and I, I've had a couple gentlemen that are in retirement traveling the world or working on their second careers who have read this book, and how they've defined it is exactly one of the notions I had in mind when I was writing it.
2: Mm. And it
1: basically is a guide to happiness. And I don't say that that lightly as, as if everyone just wants to be happy, happy. When I say happiness, I mean bringing meaning to life
2: mm-hmm. and
1: bringing meaning in what you do to life because i actually think from an adult standpoint how i make decisions and how i look at things i'm being i'm being very intentional and i'm trying to do things in my life and make decisions that reflect not only who i am as a person but what i want in the next two and three and four steps in life mm. and i think that is something that continues on i don't think that thought process changes just because you you might be of a, a more advanced age. I think as we go on, we owe it to ourselves to continually ask and reflect and to, to seek out more information. And my grandmother was almost 91 when she passed away,
2: mm.
1: and she was sharp as a tack. Her mental acuity was amazing. And I attribute some of that to the fact that she always had this desire to learn and to seek, and to ask questions, and be involved, and be an active participant in our life. And I think that is something also that I emphasize in this book, that living life is about participating. Mm-hmm. And and that is where by participating, you find the rewards, and you find the joy, and you stay you, you stay focused on doing things that will have their paybacks in terms of doing what you like. I, when I watched your video on how you're balancing your acting with your insurance, and when you did more acting, your your business and insurance uh, had higher revenues. And I thought, that's really what it's about. When you're really happy and doing what you need to be doing and actively engaging in your life and pursuing what you know you like to do, good things happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it generates that that momentum towards the good things in life and enhances everything.
0: Yeah, what I hear you saying is being fully engaged throughout your life, that's a notion of killing retirement. You know, grandma was fully engaged all the way up to 91. My my mother is going to be 89 this fall and Mm -hmm. still drinking and driving all at the same time.
1: No. See, I mean, just fully out there. And yeah, my grandma yeah. was down to one pinky full of sherry per year. So she still did it. You know, she nope. still did it, and she was happy to.
0: Not Grandma Peggy. She raised her glass last Thanksgiving and said, I have an announcement to make. This is my home. This is where I live. This is where I'm going to live. You'll bring people in to take care of me. But don't worry. She raised her third martini and said, I'm slowly embalming myself, and there'll be nothing left for you to take care of <laughs>
1: she sounds fun
0: she well she was the opera singer she lived a fully engaged she's living a fully engaged life so how do how do people um you talked about this habit of creating value I want to go back to that because earlier on Mm -hmm. and and I really love it and and you're so open and honest I just I love just you're you're (laughs) god I can't wait to meet you it's just like you, you, because what you said that really struck me earlier in our conversation, and I wrote this down, is uh, you made a mental shift that even though mm-hmm. you were no longer in the workforce, as a powerful woman, consulting, I have a lot of consulting friends. One of my dearest friends used to consult to you know Fortune 100 companies. She still does. Um, so to go from that world where you were, you know, imp- you could see the impact, right? You could see it in their eyes. Correct. And you could feel it and you were getting paid big money for it right and now you make this conscious decision I'm going to stop that and I'm gonna be I'm gonna raise my daughter Wow right but then you said how do I make this about adding value how do I never give up the habit of creating value and I think that's the one of the other keys to killing retirement my dad I shared that story instantaneously thought he had nothing more of value to give and he in that moment in front of my eyes and i just realized this talking with you it's like whoa i'm connecting the dot S- thought i have no more value to give now it didn't mean he didn't get involved sure but wow so how did you do that i know it was the book but mm-hmm. but but you but but there's something you did before that that you 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 took charge Tell us how you Correct. do that.
1: Correct. Well, how I do that is when I make a decision. And so here was this big decision in front of me. Stay home to take care of a child and really change my life quite a bit. And when I make big decisions like that, I think very fully on what what will that look like? And because at the end of the day, when I make a big decision like that, I want to walk away saying I'm really happy about that decision. Now, what parts of that decision would I need to make sure I incorporate to make sure that I can be happy about it? And that's that notion of creating that value. So I I couldn't just sit at home and let experience extra experience just hit me without having some kind of meaning assigned to it. And I think that's where the whole wisdom link comes in. Mm. I wanted to make sure that with these experiences that I had, I was somehow converting them into something that had lasting power. And I think that, you know, that happened in different ways. And the book was one of the manifestations of that.
0: Wow. Okay, so I have to ask you now. So you've, you've done the first book. Correct. Can we ask what's next?
1: What's next is, so how I generally now develop my consulting assignments and how I, I did so on my most recent one, which was an alternative energy, I I look at areas that interest me, mm. and I deep dive, and I start networking and reaching out to people and finding where do I fit into this equation, if at all. And so now that the book has been written, I'm now starting that process of saying I have these different areas of interest, um, whether it's natural resources, whether it's energy, um, whether it's some other, you know, technical advancement, medical advancement. And I study, I'm saying, is there a role for me to play in this particular arena? And so that's what I'm in the process of doing right now. So I'm going to. And that's my next direction.
0: So I want, can I share something with you? And this may Absolutely. be a, a connection, it may, it may not. So one of the other things that I am focusing on besides killing this notion of retirement in America is, the lack of financial literacy in our children. And I'm sure, oh my goodness, yes. I'm sure you're experiencing this right now with your daughters. So I'm contemplating creating an X prize for the crowd to help fund how do we solve the issue that we do not teach our children, not only about money but the value of money, the wisdom of how to interact with money at a very early age. And so I'm, you know, putting kind of these connections out to say this, this is enormous because money is such a big, you know, it's impact in all our lives. And if we're going to get to the heart of this, killing this notion of retirement, it's got to start at a very young age and, and teaching people some pretty basic principles about being responsible for and understanding, you know, how, what do I do? How do I? how do I manage finance, how do I even write a check, how do I use a credit card, how do I start saving money, how, all of those kind of things. But as I read your book, I also thought to myself, you know, it's not just about money, it's the wisdom piece mm-hmm. that goes hand in hand. You kind of opened a door for me because I'm, I was focusing on sort of just the financial side. And, and the other thing I'm um, imagining is resources like a book where parents actually get a book every month that teaches one topic, one financial topic, one topic of wisdom. And they crawl into bed and they teach that story to their children at a very young age. So
1: That's a great idea. Kids yeah. love stories.
0: Yeah. I, I'm calling it the financial literacy library. And I have this vision of creating a library that parents can just download. But it's a downloadable book because if it's a video and if it's this and that, they don't teach it. And uh, th- there's a model that I have where a gentleman in our community did that. Um, my son used to get a book in the mail, and it's uh, Harold Greenspoon. It's his foundation, and he created something called PJ Library, and I would climb into bed and teach stories, uh, religious stories, our am Jewish, our heritage. And those mm-hmm. stories we taught every month in bed, and he'd look forward to a new book. And, you know, he knows those stories now. So how do you do that with... With your wisdom, Grandma Valentine, and maybe finance. Anyways, something to think about. I throw that out.
1: Yeah, there. I, I think that's an amazing idea because I focus a, a little bit on, and, and some of the people that have been interested in my book from a variety of areas have been inter- have mostly been interested in this notion of how do we convey information. Mm. And that's been the main question and my consistent answer going back, you know, especially if you want to do it to younger people, but even older people like this adult, it's definitely the storytelling. Yep. And it's definitely creating an experience through words in a story so that they have references when they're standing there at the bank trying to figure out how do I set up an account? How do I secure an auto loan? How do I do the things I need to do to take care of things I need in life? They have references built in through stories. They don't have to have the experience. And if they have the experience, great. If not, the stories fill in and will suffice.
0: And they have the resource. So this has been just so fabulous. I so appreciate this. And I want to know how our listeners can connect with you.
1: Oh, excellent. Well, I have two ways. One is through my website, legacyofwisdom.zone Z-O-N-E Mm. They They can also follow me on Twitter at at legacy of wisdom 7
0: at legacy of wisdom 7 on twitter right. and, then and the, the we- number 7 the number 7 and then the website again is
1: legacyofwisdom.zone
0: super fantastic and can we ask what's next another book
1: well you know i'm I decide things when the opportunity presents itself.
2: Mm -hmm. So right
1: now I'm in that quiet moment of consideration and information gathering. Got it. So that's a big stay tuned. And this is a beautiful thing about having Twitter and a website, right?
0: Right. Just fantastic. Just fantastic. Gabrielle, thank you so much for taking this much time out to share Legacy of Wisdom by Gabrielle Taylor. Uh, book is just fantastic. It's been a great conversation, uh, and I think we just connected on so many, uh, so many points here that I'm so excited about. And I just want to let our listeners know that you can go to our webpage. That's Charlie Epstein, dot You can click on the RAS feed to get our Killing Retirement podcast delivered to you each month. Uh, you can also go to KillingRetirement.com to do the same. And if you want to talk with me, you can email me at cd, as in David, Epstein at the41kcoach.com for answers about killing retirement. I'm Charlie Epstein. This is Gabrielle Taylor. Thanks for listening and keep killing that notion of retirement as we know it. Thanks, everybody.